Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. All right. In this particular episode, I'm going to cram a lot of information in uh, from a few different topics. Everything from this vaccination push that's occurring where teachers are screaming at the top of their lungs that everybody needs to be vaccinated before they go back. Of course, clearly not paying attention to the fact that that's not how vaccines work. Uh, If everybody's vaccinated, then what's the point? If you want to get vaccinated and you want to pump your your veins full of government poison, be my guest. Um, But if the vaccines work and you're vaccinated, why do you think you're going to get sick? And how is that keeping you from going back to work? So there's that piece. Um, There's a, a, a pretty awful story of a nurse in a uh, elderly living facility who decided to get the vaccination didn't work out for her. Um, and then a couple other stories too, one ha- having to do with the mask wearing regarding children and then another having to do with uh, more awful professional development. So in that order, here we go. This comes from the College Fix. It's titled Teacher Vaccination, Not a Prerequisite for School Reopening, CDC Director Says. Well, thank God for that. Um, these people are just nuts. If they had said that it was a prerequisite, you would have full-blown panic right now. You would have you would have memos going out, uh, constant emails to teachers and administrators reminding them to get vaccinated and blah, blah, blah. And then they would start creating policies, which is what they're already doing, to try to make sure that students who return in person are vaccinated. I'm telling you, they're going to put this COVID vaccine garbage right at the top of the list of all the other shots and drugs that they want your children on before they even walk into a school building. Don't do it. Don't do it. If the child isn't vaccinated and the vaccines work, well then, if the child is sick and goes to school because the parent says, well, you're sick, go to school. I don't know. Most parents don't do that. But if that were to be the case... Why are the vaccinated people inside of the school building so worried? I it just, they don't, they don't get it. They're not thinking. So it says here, quote, the White House tries to walk it back. The director of the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention said that teacher vaccination is not a prerequisite for reopening schools. Rochelle Walensky made the comments on Wednesday during a COVID-19 briefing. And I'm going to play that in just a second. Walensky said that states have flexibility to implement how they prioritize vaccine distribution. You think states have flexibility? Well, thanks, big brother. Thanks. Man, he's just power-crazy monsters. Uh, It continues, she was quoted as saying, but I also want to be clear that there is increasing data to suggest that schools can safely reopen and that that safe reopening does not suggest that teachers need to be vaccinated in order to reopen safely. Well, there you go. Well, there you go. So let's listen to exactly what she says here and away we go. And it's kind of created a patchwork. And I just wondered if the federal government would be working more closely with states to kind of um, get more vaccinations to teachers in particular um, so that schools can reopen in the fall. Dr. Wilinski, do you want to start here? 
Yeah, um, thank you for that question. You know, um, the Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices has created these um, these uh, guidance, this guidance for how um, we should be think about prioritizing among all essential workers and all of the population at large. Um, you know, those have been taken under recommended uh, guidance from the states, and then the states are creating their own individual plans. And, um, you know, those plans have to sort of be in sync with how um, they are able to um, titrate, really, their supply versus the number of people who are wanting it. We don't want to be too prescriptive so that they have um, these queues of people, and yet we don't want to be too open so that they also have queues of people. We, we don't want to have too much supply on the shelf. So we've left that to the states to manage in terms of um, recognizing the prioritization of ASAP, but also um, manage at their own local level. That said, I want to be very clear about schools which is yes, um, ASIP has put teachers in the 1B category, the category of essential workers. Um, but I also wanna be clear that there is increasing uh, data to suggest that schools can safely reopen and that that safe reopening does not um, uh, suggest that teachers need to be vaccinated in order to reopen safely. So while we are implementing um, the criteria of the advisory committee and of the state and local um, guidances to get uh, vaccination across these eligible uh, communities. I would also say that um, safe reopening of schools is not, um, that vaccination of teachers is not a prerequisite for safe reopening of schools. Yeah, let me just add here, um, you know, President Biden has been very clear that he wants schools to reopen and actually to stay open. And that means that every school has the equipment and the resources to open safely, not just private schools or schools in wealthy areas, but all schools. And that's why we need the American Rescue Plan passed now. Um, it includes money to get schools better access to testing, enable smaller class sizes, acquire the necessary ventilation, ensure everyone has PPE and that schools are properly sanitized. Uh, it also includes much needed funds to support the learning and social emotional needs of our kids in what has been an extremely, extremely difficult year. So again, Congress has to do its part uh, in order to make sure that we can safely reopen schools and keep them open. All I heard throughout that was cha-ching, 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 just the money wasting. And then they make sure and talk I mean, these politicians, I got to tell you, they, 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 they don't even hear themselves. And they apparently think that, I mean, they hate us. That's, that's abundantly clear. They hate us. And they think that we're so dumb that we can't hear what they're saying. So they covered every possible base that they possibly could. They want schools reopened, but at the exact same time, well, we need to make sure and have masks, and we need to make sure and have testing, and we need to make sure, and, and if they want vaccines, they need that. And they were basically saying, too, we want everybody to get vaccinated, but we don't want to say that because if we say that, then the line is going to be out the door of people who are wanting a vaccination. As it turns out, people don't want the vaccination. They don't want to be vaccinated for this. Many people don't. Even these quote-unquote frontline workers. Many of these nurses are going, nope, I'm done. And that's exactly what leads me to this next story. This next one comes from the covidblog.com. 
and it's about a nurse by the name of Christy Simmons. North Carolina nurse latest to suffer uncontrollable convulsions after the mRNA shots. This is awful. So, here it goes. Bakersfield, North Carolina. Ms. Christy Simmons has been a registered nurse since 2007. Her hard work and dedication to the profession led to a clinic manager position at Kindred At-Home Care Services in October. Ms. Simmons wanted to lead by example. She received the Moderna mRNA shot on January 19th, according to her Facebook page. The goal was to protect her patients and co-workers while also demonstrating that the shots are safe. She is now warning people to exercise due diligence before getting the jab. Why is that, Ms. Simmons? Let's find out. Quote, Ms. Simmons' throat and tongue swelled up so much that she, had, she could barely breathe. She went to the hospital on January 21st. Doctors prescribed her Benadryl and sent her home. Ms. Simmons rested for four days and returned to work, thinking the worst was over. Her whole world changed that night and she, when she got home. Ms. Simmons started having uncontrollable convulsions and muscle spasms. She went to the local emergency room on January 26th. Miss Simmons was discharged and told she was having a panic attack. Wow. Miss Simmons needs to find better hospitals. Uh, it continues, quote, She went to another emergency room that night and was told her condition was a non-emergency. Yikes. Quote, Her primary care physician saw her the next day. He sent her to an emergency room in Winston-Salem, but she was discharged yet again, this time because no neurologists were available. The 40-year-old registered nurse shared this, this video on Facebook in January 30th. She tells you in her own words while fighting through the tremors what she is experiencing. The video has over 14,000 shares as of publishing. Let's give that a listen. My name is Christy Simmons. Um, first of all, I would like to say that I am a registered nurse. I, I took the COVID vaccine to protect patients and, and my fellow co-workers. First of all, this is heartbreaking to watch. And I'm going to link this in the description below. But she is shaking. I mean, she's shaking. Not like she's cold shaking, but her entire nervous system is firing. This is awful. Um, I took it a week and a half ago. It'll be two weeks this coming Tuesday. I've had tremors for the last three days. Um, I have been to four ERs. Um, and have been discharged, stating that I need to follow up with neurology. I've contacted two neurologists. One cannot even see me until after March or late March. The other one said they don't, that they will not see me at all. Um, I'm making this video so that people are aware of the possibilities of reactions to the vaccine. I'm not making this video so that you won't take the vaccine. As a nurse, I strongly believe in vaccines, 
But I do feel that everyone should be made aware that this is a possibility. I am. Um, I'm hoping that someone will see this video that can help me. And I'm also hoping that the CDC and Moderna will see this video and and do some more research to try to help the people that are having this kind of reaction. I, I have already spoken with five other people that are having the same symptoms that I am and are having the same struggles that I am and they, they cannot get help. So I, I just want to say that if there's anyone out there, any doctors that that can help me or that are willing to help me, to please reach out to me. My name is Christy Simmons, and you can reach me on my Facebook page. And if you reach me there, I would be more than happy to send you my phone number. Thank you so much. And I pray that everyone who is having these symptoms can find the help that they need. It's absolutely heartbreaking to watch this stuff. Uh, and she's using a cane, a, a four-legged cane, to, to hold herself up. Um, it's just awful. So I'm not a medical doctor, but I know exactly what I'd do, and I know exactly what I wouldn't do. This next story here is a pamphlet, and I'm not exactly sure what school this came from. It could be it could be any school for that matter, but it's a Black Lives Matter in Schools Week of Action, February 1st through February 5th. So, fortunately, uh, today is the last day of this, but it says, Wednesday is trans-affirming, queer-affirming, and collective value day, apparently. And they also have what they're calling elementary resource, secondary resource, further learning for educators and caregivers, and then action steps. Um, this is the Black Lives Matter curriculum stuff that apparently has made its way into particular schools. Not sure why. Uh, but let me read through some of these here and, well, you can decide for yourself. Elementary resource, one, two, and three. Number one, woke read aloud, they, she, he, easy as A, B, C. Number two, exploring gender stereotypes through role plays. wonder what that one looks like. Number three, it feels good to be yourself, a book about gender identity. Now, these are the secondary resources. Number one, Marsha Pay No Mind Johnson video and Centering Black LGBTQ Students slash Youth Discussion Prompts. Number two, The First Queer American Hero, William Dorsey Swan. Number three, Transgender and Gender Nonconforming Women of Color. Uh, wow. Then it says, Further Learning for Educators and Caregivers, number one, two, and three. One, Ready, Set, Respect. Two, 
some considerations when working with LGBT students of color. 3. Year of Purpose Reflection Question Our Students' Whole Selves. And then action steps at the very bottom of this pamphlet. It says, Does your school have, G- have a GSA? If not, who could help you start one? GSA. I don't even want to know. I don't even want to know. I could look it up. I don't even want to know. Research the rights that LGBTQ plus students have in school. Come up with a plan to share this information with other youth in your community. Practice using affirm- affirming language such as spouse, parent, partner, sibling, student, child, F-O-L-X, folks, folks with an X, etc. Folks with an X. Huh, that's an interesting one. Well, I got to tell you, this has nothing to do with uh, Black History Month, which, by the way, is remarkably salt- insulting to black Americans. Um, I've talked with countless students and had countless students who were black Americans in the past, and they don't get it. They hate it, as a matter of fact, because even they understand that uh, black American history is American history, and it's not about race. It's just about country. That's the point. We all live here. That's the whole point. So why don't we teach that accurately? But we can't do that because, again, that blows up our false narrative and our false story, and we're trying to brainwash people. So we can't have any of the facts actually come out. Uh, Yeah. What is it? In the words of Morgan Freeman, I don't want a Black History Month because black history is American history, and we're Americans, and that's it. But uh, there are countless figures who are very accomplished black Americans that countless students will never even learn about in school. They'll never learn about. And if they start to learn about one of them, the story will be skewed and it will be turned. Uh, and it, uh, it, it, it will just be mistaught and those students will even be misled. I'll give you one small example before I move on to this last story. The background of Ida B. Wells as, as being a, um, a rather prominent journalist and writer, very accomplished individual, without a doubt. Having said that, uh, one of her major accomplishments is the one accomplishment that's actually not even talked about, and you're going to find out right now why it's not talked about. Ida B. Wells consistently wrote about women who lie. And she wrote about women who lie about being raped, in particular, white women who lie about being raped by black men. And then that lying ends up with the black man incarcerated or executed for rape. That's actually some of her most impactful writing and some of the writing that she's most well-known for, except countless people do whatever they can, in particular on the left, to suppress that fact and those facts because they don't want to touch that subject. That's a little too, too, a little too edgy for them. You see, so edgy is the truth, 
and they don't want anything to do with it. Countless stories in her books that Ida B. Wells wrote where she's investigating rich Democrat white women who would have extramarital affairs with black men and then the white husbands would bust into the room and they would catch the two of them having sex and then the white woman would scream rape. I'm being raped. And then the black man would be beaten up or thrown out of the house, arrested, and then in many cases back then lynched. But see, we can't tell, we, we, we can't be accurate about that part of American history. We, we can't do that. And then Ida B. Wells would say, well, wait a minute. Did you question anybody in this entire process? And they would say, well, no, she said it, she was being raped and so-and-so saw it and, and that we have witnesses and that's it. And then the individual would be killed when, in fact, it was a consenting relationship, but they just didn't want to make it look as if they were having an extramarital affair with a black American when they were white for a variety of reasons. They didn't want to lose their standing in the town. They didn't want to lose their standing in their family. They didn't want to be homeless. They didn't want to not have any money, whatever it was. That's what Ida B. Wells wrote about consistently. Is that going to be brought up in school? Nope, it won't. So please keep that in mind. Please keep in mind just the the false history that gets taught is is really, really awful. And everything that I just read here with this ridiculous uh, week of action, week of affirming collective value action, blah, 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 none of it has anything to do with reading, writing, and arithmetic. You've just stolen a week from students where they could actually be learning facts about real things and, heaven forbid, learning the English language, how to speak it correctly, how to write it correctly. Instead, it's got to be all of this, let's make them mad, let's divide everybody garbage. It's absolutely horrible, total abomination in my opinion. Here's the last thing, a little something to think about. It's an interesting meme. It's a picture of a child wearing a mask. And it says on the mask, quote, A child in America is 66,667 times more likely to be sold to human traffickers than die of COVID-19. In addition, your masks assist in them being transported undetected and unidentified to anyone. So that would be an interesting statistic to figure out, wouldn't it? How many children during this time in America or around the world who have been wearing masks and their parents and school officials and community members or businesses or what have you have been forcing everybody to wear masks, how many of them have been kidnapped undetected? How many crimes have occurred while individuals are wearing masks and identifying those individuals who were either kidnapped or committing the crime or what have you would have been very easy to do if they weren't wearing a mask. Think back to the elections. Remember how they had all the ballot counters wearing masks? Was that because they were going to get sick from the ballots? Or sick from one another? If they're sick, why why are they counting ballots and touching ballots and hanging around people? Why are they all wearing masks? The masks were intended to hide identity. 
That was the point. It's that simple. One final note with the pseudo-impeachment that's taking place on February 8th on Monday. It is going to be American history, to say the least. And watching these individuals go back and forth with one another, lying, telling the truth, lying some more, telling some of the truth, lying some more, is really going to be an interesting show to watch. And there's nothing, I think, more educational than American history that's playing out in real time in front of all of us for everyone to see. So I watched approximately every minute of the first sham impeachment. I'm going to watch every minute of this one because I can't wait. I can't wait for the truth to come out. I can't wait for the liars to panic. I just can't wait. This whole thing is going to be absolutely interesting. And what's happened throughout our country here with all of this is an absolute travesty. But the truth is going to prevail. I'm certain of it. Many of us already know, of course, what that is. Some don't. But I guarantee people are going to find out real quick. So grab the popcorn. This one's going to get wild. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Don't forget to check out AmericanEducationFM.com, where you can make a small donation or even email us and be a guest on the podcast. Until next time, never stop learning, never stop reading, and never stop unlearning. Thanks for listening, and God bless.